Thank you for listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. information about Redemption Church, please visit redemptionokc.com. You can stay up to date on sermons by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about relationships. And we're going to be looking and kind of mining the book of Proverbs for wisdom it works in dating and marriage. This week, we're going to be talking about dating. And then the next two weeks, we'll be talking about marriage. Some of you spouses are elbowing your spouse and going, don't you even think about missing next week. Like, you're going to be here. Others of you are thinking, oh, good. I know people that need to hear this, right? Like someone else. Uh, What I really hope is, I hope as we go through this next three weeks, that there's something in here for each of us, that each of us will find some stuff in here that's going to help us to grow and point us to some important life stuff as we jump in there. So, and we're going to be starting with dating. Uh, I'm going to start off with a story. And as we think about uh, kind of dating, when I was kind of coming, or, or just, you know, as, as you go through life, there's these movies that, that pop up that become kind of these models for what the perfect relationship ought to look like. And mid-90s, there was this rom-com that, that came through called Jerry Maguire. And, and it made several phrases, kind of household uh, phrases that, that, uh, that, that were spoken from kind of anyone and everyone knew what these were. First was Cuba Gooding Jr., who screamed out, so you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Uh, and that, that's not the only one. In fact, possibly the most powerful ones that showed up came kind of towards the end of the movie when Tom Cruise's character and Renee Zellweger's character come together and it's kind of the tearjerker moment as they get there and Tom Cruise looks at her with the one romantic look the dude has and he says very slowly and purposefully what? You complete me. Right, he hangs, lets it hang out there a little bit. And then he starts to talk a little more, which is not what you should do when you just drop the money line. But he starts to talk a little more and then she throws out another line. And what's her line? Ladies, you had me at hello. And every, every gal in the place cried and every guy pretended like, you know, that he was not crying. And, you know, all those things went on as this movie kind of wrapped up and ended. But you know what's interesting is she actually didn't just say, you had me at hello. First she said, shut up, shut up. You had me at hello. And actually what she said was a pretty good thing. Because if, 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 uh, if he'd have listened, he might've actually shut up and she might've actually changed what she said. It wouldn't have made a very good end to the movie. But what if she had changed it and said something like this? Shut up, shut up. If you put that on me, that I complete you, it'll crush me and ruin us. Only God can complete you and I can't be your God. That would have made for a very bad movie. (laughs) But it would have actually been more accurate. It would have actually been more helpful. And I'm not saying you have to hate the movie. I'm not saying you can't cry the next time it comes on cable television and you get sucked into watching it again. I'm not saying that you can't get upset whenever it happens. Have your your little moment there in the hyper-romantic moment of, uh, of the movie. But don't try to build a life on that because it doesn't really work. And as you think about this, one of the things that I realize is 
that we've been handed a view of marriage that is kind of a, a hyper-romantic fulfillment through your lover who you need in order to find happiness. That's the you complete me message, is that there's someone out there for you that if you just get face-to-face with the one right person, you'll find fulfillment and they can satisfy the deep longings of your life and of your heart. And so we, at some level, I think all buy into that mindset, at least on an emotional level. This kind of, I don't work without you. I'll fall apart without you. I won't have everything I need without you. I won't have my, my, my greatest desires fulfilled if I don't have you. And it puts all this weight and pressure on a person to be something that they really can't be and to meet needs in us that they really can't meet. And so, and as we think about this, um, I, you know, it's interesting. This summer, Nan and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. The 25, absolutely. You can clap for that. It's been an adventure with ups and downs. There's been stretches of sheer joy, and there's been seasons of trial and hardship. There's, uh, we've cried, we've laughed, we've built a family together, we've built a life together. It's been an adventure, and it always is that. And you get to 25, and you think about just, it's kind of a mile marker moment for us. But can I tell you one of the reasons why Nan and I have worked and why this has worked so well for us is when Nan and I started dating, she didn't need me to complete her. When Nan and I started dating, she wasn't looking to me to meet all of her needs. In fact, on our first date, we went out and uh, went and uh, actually heard a speaker and went and had a meal and then ended up in a marina and the marina was closed there at Baylor University on the Brazos River. And so we kind of actually snuck into the, uh, and got out on a paddle boat and said it was tied to the um, tied to the, the pier because it was already closed. We couldn't really get it out. It was locked up. But we just sat there and talked late into the night and just kind of talked about life. And one of the things I realized as we talked was this is a woman who really trusts the Lord with her life. And she really did. A little bit later, um, when was, uh, we started a date and I asked her out on a date, we're going to go out one evening. And she said, no, I'm busy, which, you know, can make you nervous when you're first starting out in a relationship. You're like, no, can I go? And it's like, you know, is this, you know, one of those like, uh, you know, now I have to wash my hair tonight things. Like, are you getting pushed off? And so you start to wonder, she didn't tell me this initially, but later what I found out was that she actually did uh, this thing and, and she'd actually put it on her calendar where she just said date night with God. And she would go and have a date with God where she would just spend the evening getting into her Bible and she would journal and she would pray and she'd just spend the evening with the Lord really trying to do that. And calling it a date night for God was a reminder for her that God is ultimately the one that fulfills and satisfies her needs, that no man was ever going to do that. And you know, that's a really good thing. Now, if I was insecure, maybe that might have pushed me back, right? But honestly, when I look at it, it's like, man, that in some ways takes so much pressure off of you when you think, man, I don't have to be your God. I just have to be your companion. Because the reality is none of us make a very good God. But we can be a companion that walks alongside someone you know, if I, if I was her God, here's the reality. Uh, she would never be satisfied. Like she would never find real fulfillment if I was her God. You can't take a sinner and load that kind of weight on him, expect him to fill the deepest needs of your soul and of your life. And so that would be a problem. I'm not a good God, but I can be a good companion. And I think that's important for us as we think about this, as we think about dating. One of the things that worked the other way around too is Nan is a wonderful companion for me, but she would be a horrible God as the center of my universe. She could not bear the weight of that and that expectation, what I would put on her. 
And so as you think about this, when we're both trusting God to be God, what it does is it actually frees us up to love and serve and care for our spouse in a way that is helpful to them as we together figure out how it is we run after God. And so really that's kind of the picture as we start thinking about dating that I want to put before you is that what makes it work is when we're running in the same direction at about the same pace with the same destination in mind and we're both running hard after the Lord and then we decide, hey, why don't we just run alongside one another and keep running after him together? And that's what the, the, really the biblical view of marriage is, is two people that are individually running after the Lord and saying, hey, you know what? I know the direction I'm going and we're running about the same pace. Why don't we just go together and let's continue to seek him? And so let's run hard after him. And that's the picture that I want you to have. And you guys, as you think about this dating thing and as you enter this world, that's the picture I want you to have. Run after Jesus and find someone that's running next to you. And then link arms and say, hey, let's go do this together for about the next 70 years and enjoy it. If we have the same master and the same mission, then we'll be freed up as co-travelers on the road to care for one another and encourage one another and bear one of those burdens and pray for one another and confront one another and comfort one another and admonish one another and, and continue to pursue him together. That's the purpose really of what marriage, is, marriage ought to be, that it's still centered on the glory of God and our good and the good of others that's found in Christ. So let's get after Proverbs, and uh, we're going to dive in. Man, I skimmed through Proverbs again uh, this week, and as I did, I found about 100 Proverbs that I felt like connected with this idea of marriage and dating, and just that whole realm of our relationships. And so I mean, we're going to fly through a bunch of these today. You're going to kind of just hit a bunch of different Proverbs, but I want you just to get a sense of how important this is as we, as we look at how many times the wisdom books of Scripture refer to to our relationships and the way in which it needs to be a God-centered, Christ-centered relationship. So uh, the first thing, though, that I see is uh, Proverbs actually starts off, it's, there's actually some places where it's a little bit humorous. In Proverbs 30, verses 18 and 19, um, it says this, three things are too wonderful for me, four I do not understand. That's a kind of a typical proverbial way of going, like, I'm going to throw some stuff out here, but it's just kind of scatter shooting some, some interesting ideas. But there's three things that are too wonderful for, for me, four I don't understand. The way of an eagle in the sky. How does a bird really fly? Does anyone, I mean, some of you like tech guys may, you know, science people may be able to explain that, but like none of us really understand how that, how that thing came to be. Uh, the way of a serpent on a rock. Dudes have no legs. How do they move? I don't know. Uh, the way of a ship in the high seas and the way of a man with a virgin. Uh, it's a comical way that the wisdom uh, passage is just saying, look, does anyone seriously understand male-female relationships? Like, we don't know how this works. I look at guys all the time and like their spouse is saying something and they're just kind of like, I'm hoping not to say the wrong thing. You know, and so guys, ladies, you need to understand that most of the time when you're asking guys to engage with things, uh, they're sitting there going, how do I stay out of trouble right now? I'm not sure what the right thing to say is. And if you told me what to say it, I'd be happy to say it. I'm just not sure. And it's because of what uh, Proverbs is saying is like, who really understands all this stuff? And it can, it can be really hard. It's why it also says in Proverbs 20, 25, it says, it is a snare to say rashly, it is holy and to reflect only after making the vows. See, it's a, it's a snare, it's a trap, it's a dangerous thing to, to jump in and go, man, I'm gonna make a holy covenant commitment to something and then later go, now, what was the thing I promised again? Uh, funny tidbit about our wedding. We wrote our own vows and I didn't hear them until the wedding day and Nian's vows were like way longer than mine. 
Like she really committed all this stuff and she's reading and I'm like, man, I hit the mother load here. Like, this is awesome. She's promising everything I could ever imagine on this. And, uh, but it, what scripture says is, man, it's, it's a danger to promise something and then later go, now what is it I signed up for? And try to figure it out. Um, Proverbs 26 uh, says, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? And it's easy to make a promise. It's hard to be faithful and to keep it. Uh, goes on, flips it the other way. Proverbs 31.10, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. And it's a rare and treasured thing to find a faithful man or a faithful woman who will stay by your side, who will walk with you in all the ups and downs. It's a treasure. It's hard to find. It's not an easy thing. Proverbs says, man, it's, a, it's a, something you should seek for, that you should long for, that you should desire if God's put, you, put that on your heart to find someone who's truly faithful. It's important. The problem is that, um, that oftentimes, though, we get deceived, that we get confused about the things that we're, that we're seeking. And sometimes our, our kind of love hunger, if we've not been satisfied in the Lord, our love hunger can make us run after someone that maybe is not truly a faithful man or faithful woman because we're so hungry in not finding that fulfillment in God that we may try to satisfy it with a lesser love of a man or a woman that isn't really going to be a, a healthy companion and they themselves have not wed themselves to Christ and, and, and found their significance in him. So it's an important thing, I think, for us to realize that the, the warnings that Proverbs also gives us. And so uh, what I want to do today, the rest of uh, a good chunk of today is I want us to look at several warnings that Proverbs gives. Proverbs gives us several warnings about what it is that we need to, we need to worry about in, in terms of our, our relational world. Uh, Proverbs 27, 12 says, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. The prudent sees danger and hides himself. The simple just run on and get themselves into all kinds of trouble. What's the point of the proverb? You can't just run into any, jump into any relationship and hope that it's going to satisfy you. That ultimately you can find yourself getting in trouble. And so wisdom of Proverbs says, and go slow. Be careful. Don't just jump in. It's a treasured, rare thing to find someone who's truly faithful as a companion. Don't just jump into something without really knowing. Proverbs 19.2 says, desire without knowledge is not good. Um, Anyone need to be told that in our world there are desires for relationships? Like you could turn on any TV show, you can walk through any, uh, any checkout line at any grocery store, and you see signs of our hunger and our desire for relational connection everywhere. And yet what it says in Proverbs is, desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. If you don't know where you're going, you're going, to wind your, you're going to find yourself in a pit. You're going to find yourself in trouble. Proverbs 14, 6, one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. Proverbs is just warning us and saying, don't be careless and reckless about your relationships. Be wise about your destination and where you're going. And one guy, Todd Wagner, uh, I overheard him say, um, you don't choose your friends, your career, or your mate by beauty, money, or position. The three things that you don't want to allow driving your decisions about your career, your mate, or your friends, and that is beauty, money, or, uh, your, or position. And so I want to break those down because really when I, when I heard that and I had been reading all the Proverbs, I just thought, I mean, that sounds like the, 
the kind of big themes you see in Proverbs about our relationships and the warnings that Proverbs gives about dating and about our relationships as well. So I want to jump into these. So three warnings. The first one we're going to do is let's talk about beauty. Um, this, this, uh, it's important for us to know that physical beauty and affections absolutely a part of marriage. Sexual pleasure is absolutely a part of marriage, which is why in Proverbs 5, it says, rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Um, by the way, my wife had that etched in, uh, onto my wedding ring. So that's on my wedding ring. Uh, that, that was part of her commitment to us and just a reminder to me that, hey, I am the wife of your youth. Come to me when you have desire. That's where these desires are to be met. It's an interesting thing when you look at this. I had fun this week. We actually, I sent those verses to my boys because we're all supposed to be reading Proverbs together. And so we're reading those. And on the day that we got to Proverbs 5, I sent those verses and said, hey, here's just a look at what you got to read today. You know, enjoy it. And just kind of threw that out for my boys just to make it a little uncomfortable and awkward. But uh, it's kind of how it's feeling here right now, isn't it? You guys are like, how far is he going to go with this? It's an interesting thing, though, when you think about relationships, like nowhere do we have to tell you that, that beauty, that physical beauty is attractive, but it's interesting that Proverbs says it as well. It says, let her breasts fill you at all times with what? Delight. Saying it's not wrong for you to delight in beauty. In fact, it goes on and it's talking about pleasure. It says, be intoxicated always in her love. Meaning drink deeply, imbibe, be intoxicated, get drunk on that relational connection that you have with the wife of your youth, the one woman that has been given to you to enjoy. You're supposed to enjoy it. And marriage is supposed to be fun. It's why it says delight. It's supposed to be an enjoyable thing. It's a good thing. Sex is God-given, God-designed. It's beautiful and it's meant to be enjoyed within a context of a male and a female in a married, committed relationship that is to last all of their lives. That's God's design and what he wants for us. It's a good thing for us to enjoy within the context of marriage. But you also see Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. See, there's a danger also that the external wrappings of, of charm and beauty may, may, may be masking a void on, underneath. And so what Proverbs 31, when it talks about the ideal woman, is talking about is that charm, and, charm can be deceitful, beauty can be vain, but there needs to be a woman who fears the Lord, and that really is the most important part of, of, of the woman and, and what we need to understand, that the external can be mere packaging, but what matters most is what's on the inside. And so when you are looking, guys, for a mate, when you're looking for someone to date, Yes, you will notice the package. But what you really want to know is take time to get to know what's on the inside. Find the beauty that is there. And you want to find a woman who worships the Lord and is faithful to him. And that's what's to be honored. That's what's to be praised according to the scriptures. Um, Proverbs eleven twenty two. Uh, another little tidbit about my day. When I was, uh, just before I got engaged to my wife, I was thinking about engaging, uh, asking her to marry me, I was talking with a pastor friend of mine who's a mentor and a little bit older and, uh, when I told him that, uh, he, he said, are you going to marry this girl? And I said, yeah. And he quoted this verse to me. And he said, like a gold ring and a pig snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. And he said, has this woman got discretion? 
and he was just asking me about my gal and if I really knew her and really knew what was going on. He said, you're not just, he said, you know, I've seen her. She's a beautiful lady, but what's on the inside is what he was asking me. He wanted to know. And what, what Proverbs eleven twenty two is saying is beauty is wasted without character. If she looks a certain way but does, not know, but does not love the Lord, then it's not enough. That there's something important that's missing that's there. Proverbs 6, 25. Do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. Um, what's he referring to with the eyelashes there? When he's batting their eye, right? Uh, part of me wants to do that right here, but that just feels really awkward. So I'm not going to do it. But you can see it. You can visualize what he's talking about here, right? This is someone who's flirting. He's saying, look, don't let your heart be captured merely by her beauty and her flirtatious behavior towards you. Uh, but you notice the, where the real problem lies? The problem is not that she's beautiful. The problem is where? Do not let her, do not desire her beauty in your heart. The, the problem is not what she looks like. The problem is that there's an unhealthy desire in our hearts that we look at and, and, and somehow distort what is there and take advantage of what is there. And so we store up something in our hearts that treasure it in an unhealthy way. And that's what he's, uh, what he's warning us against. So gals, don't, don't fall in love merely with his abs or his pecs. Guys, don't fall in love merely with her form or her flirting. There's gotta be some kind of depth, something more to that that we, that we seek out. And it's interesting when you think about relationships, uh, I think part of what he's warning us here is that some people will use you to stimulate and satisfy them. That instead, that so many in our world, what we see is that they don't have a God that defines their life. They themselves are their God. And so they will use you in order to satisfy themselves rather than the other way around. But ultimately, we're to find our satisfaction in in God himself. And as we are satisfied in him, then we're free to love someone around us. But when that's not true, if we've put ourselves on the throne, if we make ourselves out to be God, then we can use everyone around us in order to try to satisfy us because we are now the center and the most important thing. That's a false view. Tells us the danger of it. Proverbs 25, 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And if you don't have self-control, if you are raging and you don't have the ability to curtail that, to move slow, to be wise, not to be reckless, it says you're exposed like a city in wartime that has no walls and you are in a dangerous place. See, the, what you will experience, and many of you have experienced, and I do enough counseling with you, enough premarital counseling with you to know that you've had, many of you have had bad experiences that led you to the place where you are now. And in that, some of you have realized that some people love things and use people rather than love people and use things. That, you, that they have leveraged people for their own benefit and for their own good, but not out of, out of love. Friends, don't find, your, don't find your affirmation in your date or your mate. Don't seek to find your, your satisfaction, your affirmation, your validation, your security, your strength, your identity. Don't look to find any of those things in your mate or your date. They are not strong enough to give you that. Only the Lord can give that. Run to the Lord, depend on him, trust him. When your identity is strong in him and secure in him, then you're free to love without, without, strength, or without, uh, without reprecation. Rep, what's the word I'm looking for there? Repercations. Rep, repercussions. repercussions, there you go. I was blanking. I was like, I'm, it's in there somewhere. It'll come back around. Uh, but but you, 
but you have to know really where your strength lies and where your, where your confidence is in order, to, uh, in order to, to really walk well in this. And our world has lots of ideas about sexuality and they almost always attempt to justify unhealthy or unbiblical behaviors. It's interesting in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 30, 20, says this, this is the way of an adulteress. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I've done no wrong. Man, it's, a, it's an awful visual, but it's someone who's like, man, I'm gonna feast and take whatever I want and then I'll just kind of wipe away and go, I didn't do anything wrong. It's a justifying behavior. It's a, someone who says, I'm gonna use what I want and then I'm, going to clear, or then I'm going to completely rationalize it and compromise what it is. I don't think there's anything destructive that I've done here but I can rationalize and compromise and twist it is what it is that said and convince myself that everything I'm doing is okay. And that's the tendency that we all have in us is that we start to step across lines and we start to justify, I didn't do anything wrong. I just, I just took a little taste. Not really any residue or anything remaining. I didn't do anything wrong. And we begin to just justify one behavior after another and we continue to move down a path that ultimately leads to destruction. So, when you think about beauty, you have to be cautious. There's a warning here. Not that you need to fear beauty, but just know that your heart can take beauty and twist it and put expectations on it. And that sometimes our eyes glaze over and we just kind of get like, as one of my friends said, like cows in a hailstorm, looking out over uh, someone that's beautiful. And it's like, you're just dazed and you're you know, kind of in la-la land looking at someone else in love. And you don't take time to really get to know what's underneath. But charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Look on the inside and make sure that what's there lines up with where you're going in life. So the second warning, second warning that Proverbs runs to over and over really has to do with money. And it's talking about our desire and, and hunger for money. And I see this over and over with our city. It's interesting. You know, people are happy to live like college students in college. And as soon as they get out of college and become singles, maybe they continue that for a little while. But as soon as they start to date, start to think about marriage, start to think about engagement, start to do this, I start hearing them say things like, so where are we going to buy a house? What neighborhood do we want to live in? What part of town do we want to live in? What schools do we want our kids to go to? What activities do we want to be part of? Where vacations do we want to do? And there starts to be this hunger thing. And what I realize in that is there's just this expectation that when you couple up and you say, we're going to be married and we're going to put a ring on and we're going to do this thing, that all of a sudden this American dream thing kind of just settles down on you. And you just start feeling like I need to go starter home, bigger home, forever home, and then build this whole thing. And it becomes this rat race of chasing after money. And Proverbs warns us against that because money, it, money comes and goes, it ebbs and flows. It can make life easier, absolutely. But it's just not a very trustworthy thing to depend on. Proverbs 19, 4 and 6 say this, wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. What he's saying is wealth is a really bad reason for a relationship. Like wealth will gather people. You look like, man, life, you know, I could pay my bills a lot easier if I had his paycheck. Maybe if I just link up with him, that's going to make life a lot easier. But it doesn't really satisfy. It's not really a trustworthy thing for a relationship. Many seek the favor of a generous man and everyone is friend to a man who gives gifts. Man, if you're building a relationship based on your checkbook and your income, and you have to be leery of that because it's not really something that you can depend on. The stock market's going to ebb and flow. Guys can lose jobs all the time. It's not a, a good basis for a relationship. Proverbs 17.1, better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. I mean, you can have all kinds of money and still be unhappy. 
There are rich people all over this world that are lonely and angry and frustrated and unhappy and unfulfilled in their relationships. Money didn't fix that and can't do it. When you look at Proverbs, it comes back to this. Better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble with it. And you can, you can have a bigger house, but that's just more rooms to be lonely in if you don't have much of a relationship. It doesn't really solve, solve the need. What do we need to be satisfied? What should we really look for? Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings, and he will not stand before obscure men. Kind of a strange, strange passage there, and you may wonder really how that connects. Here's what I want to encourage you. We all have bills to pay. We all need income. We all have responsibilities in this world. It's not wrong to do that, but don't make money. Don't make the accumulation of wealth. Don't make moving from one house to the next to the next to get in the final neighborhood that you really want to be in. Don't make that your life's pursuit. Find a job that you're good at, that you're skillful in, and contribute well to our society. And go do good work. Do something that makes a difference and and be helpful to our society and be skilled at it. Do you see a man skillful in his work? And trust that that's going to raise you up and you're going to find influence and ability to do good. When it says he will stand before kings, he will not stand before obscure men. It doesn't mean that you're going to be so skilled you're going to become famous. What it's saying is you'll contribute to the world in which you live through the the work and the skill of your hands. Look for someone who works hard. Look for someone who who, who lets his work make, make life functional. But don't, don't make work or money or wealth or accumulation your God because it's ultimately going to leave you in a hole. So the last warning that Proverbs gives really has to do with our position or our popularity. And it's easy to run after things that, that um, and run after kind of, especially in relationships. When I think about high school, if you grew up in the 80s like me, every 80s movie was basically built on this one premise, that there are multiple groups in the school and one's the cool group and you want to do everything you can to be in that cool group until you get in and find out it's not really that cool, and then you need to like reboot and try to figure out how to just be normal. And that's basically the premise of every 80s romantic comedy that there was. And, and you understand that, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's what Proverbs warns us against too, is that the popular circles aren't necessarily going to meet all the needs. Proverbs 25, verses 6 and 7 says, Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence, or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. What's he saying? I mean, don't so desire to be in the inner circle of the movers and the shakers and the power players of things that you're fighting and clamoring and trying to get there. He says, don't put yourself forward in the king's presence, meaning and you think of a king and a hall and all this and a banquet table and the king's at the head and you're trying to work your way up to the table to get as close to the king as you can because you've got some kind of a need inside of you that says, I'll be more important if I get to be with the important people. And so you seek that. And what he says is, and it's a lot better to be down here and have the king go, hey, why don't you come sit next to me? Than to have the king go, hey, why are you here? Why don't you head back down the other way? But really what it's speaking to is this heart hunger desire to be in the inner circle of something, to fit in and be with the, the important people. And that's a problem. Proverbs 23 says, let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all day. Don't hunger after uh, don't envy other people's place, but be comfortable in your own skin. Be comfortable with who you are. Be comfortable with who God has made you and how he's wired you and where he's placed you. And it doesn't mean that you, you can't move up if you're invited up. It doesn't mean you can't step into the doors and opportunities God gives you, but just don't make that your goal and run after those things. And don't, 
Sure, don't build a relationship built around, wow, if I, if I linked arms with that guy or that girl, I would really be in the right circle. Whether that be a sorority, a club, a, 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 a work world, an influential organization, or a position of power and money within our city, don't run after those things. They're not really going to sustain your relationship. So three warnings. Be worried about beauty. Be worried about money. Be warned about money. Be warned about popularity or position. So let's come back to our, our purpose. Proverbs 14, 27. If, if we had three warnings, we've got one purpose. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs says, run from the snares. So if those are the things we're to be warned about, if those are the traps, if those are the snares that are out there, you're not, you don't have to be a slave to those. You don't have to go to those. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that you may be able to turn away from those things. But the way in which you avoid falling into the traps is to find your fulfillment in the Lord. When, you're, when your identity, when your security, when your strength is connected to him, then you will be strong enough to resist falling into those other traps. Proverbs 16, 20, whoever gives thought to the word will discover good and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Be thoughtful, listen to the word of God, trust the word of God, trust the wisdom of what it says for our relationships. And in that, it says, blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Proverbs 21, 21, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness and honor. Friends, in your dating relationships, in your, in your choosing of a mate, pursue righteousness and kindness, and you'll find life. You'll find a life-giving relationship that's there when you build a relationship on a foundation of faith in the Lord. So friends, we live for the glory of God. This is, what, this is the purpose that drives us, that we're to, to exist. And as you think about dating, as you think about a mate, you want to find someone who trusts the Lord as you do. You want to find someone who's going the same direction as you are, who's running about the same pace after the Lord as you are, who's going to the same destination that you're headed in. And then you just want to link arms with them and say, hey, let's run together. And so it takes some time to figure that out. It takes some time to sort through that. And as you do, here's why this is so important. When you have the same master and you have the same mission, you're going to end up heading in the same place. And so when you start, friends, start with this. Who is their master? Who's the master of their life? Who's the Lord of their life? If you share the Lord, you'll share the same mission and it's going to bring you together and give you a foundation on which to build your relationship. Let me end with this. And it's interesting in, uh, in the Gospels, Jesus engages uh, a woman at the well and, and as he engages with this lady, he comes up and says, hey, give me something to drink. And she says, well, why would you ask me something to drink? You're not like me. And they begin this conversation. And then he finally turns the conversation around to her and he says, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink because I have water that satisfies completely and that never ends. And, if you, and then, he, then he looks to her and says, um, go and call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus looks at her and says, you're right, you have five husbands. And the one that you have now is not your husband either. He said, but go and get him. And why, what was Jesus doing in this, in this passage or this interaction with this lady? Was he being mean? Was he picking on her? Like, hey, I just want to point out that you've been divorced a whole lot and you've been in a lot of bad relationships. No, that's not what he's doing at all. He was connecting the dots for her. He went, said, you know, your hunger, your thirst that you keep running to a man to try to quench, it's never satisfied you, which is why you're on number five. Because you run from one man to another, to another, to another. And the problem is a man can be a decent companion, but a man is not a good God. 
come to me, he says. If you understood who I am, you would come to me and you would ask me for a drink and it would well up in you like water that never ends, that brings satisfaction in the deepest places of your life and water that, 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 never runs, that you'll never run out of. You'll find complete and total fulfillment in me. What he's saying is, lady, if you understood who I am, you'd understand that I can complete you. But none of those men can complete you. And so you need a different plan. You need a different strategy. And friends, the same is true for us. If you run to a man or to a woman and you ask them to satisfy you, you're going to have to run to another one because sinful people can't satisfy the deepest needs of our hearts. But if we go to Jesus, he will satisfy us and he will meet us there. So that's dating. Next week we'll get into marriage. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the beauty of marriage. I thank you that you have made us male and female, that you have put us into this, uh, this place that you have provided for us, that you have said, go, be fruitful, multiply, and, and have blessed us with relationships that help to drive us. Father, I thank you also that you have, uh, that, that you have given us the, uh, your word to guide us and give us wisdom in knowing how it is that we are to navigate these waters. Father, I pray for those who are hurting through broken relationships here. Father, I pray for those who, um, who are feeling the guilt and the shame of past um, problems and issues and things where they've stumbled. Father, I pray, Father, for those who are lonely and those who are hungry for a relationship. God, would you, through Christ, meet them? Would you be their satisfaction? Would you be their joy? Would you be their strength? Would they find their identity in you? Would they find their affirmation in you? Would, you, would they know that they are valued, that they are loved, that they are, uh, that they are treasured because of you and because of the reality that you sent your only son to die for them, that they might have life now and forever. Father, help us to believe it in the deepest places of our, of our souls. Father, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.